baptism of Jesus, and it can be found on page 967 in the Church Bibles. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptised by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptised by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfil all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Thanks, Hilary. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, grant us the grace to desire you and in desiring to seek your face, and that in seeking that we will find you and love you with our whole heart. And Father, as we seek you, help us to be mindful of the fact that you are seeking us so much more. Amen. Baptisms. We're talking of baptisms. There was once uh, a notice on a new sheet in a church that went like this. From now on, for baptisms, the north and the south ends of the church will be utilized. So children will be baptized at both ends. <laughs> There's also the story of uh, a, preach, a, a priest sorry, who approached uh, a young dad before uh, a child baptism, which are you know, often fraught with, with difficulties. And the, the priest said to the dad, now, you do know that baptism is a serious step. Are you prepared for this? And the man replied, well, I, I think so. My wife has made appetizers, and we've got caterers coming in to provide food and cake for all the guests. Oh, I don't mean that, replied the priest. I mean, are you prepared spiritually? Oh, yes, came the reply. I've got bottles of gin and whiskey. <laughs> oh, baptism, it's a key. You're going to miss those jokes, aren't you? Let's be honest. It's a key aspect of our faith and something that Jesus himself believed was so important. He was baptized himself. And the Bible passage we heard, I think, raises a number of questions for us. And these questions, they arise out of the experience that Jesus had, that amazing experience. How immersed are you and I in the love of God? To what extent have we fallen into the loving arms of God the Father? To what extent are we emerging into new life? How much are you and I immersed in the responsibility that God has given us? And do we know what that responsibility is? How much have we given ourselves to a life of following Jesus? And to what extent have we thrown ourselves into a life of humility and service? And a final question, to what degree are we using the gifts that God has given us 
or exercising that call that he's placed on our lives, the life of every single one of us. Well, by engaging with this Bible text, we've got the opportunity to grapple with these key questions. We see in the reading that Jesus' baptism assures him of his Father's love. What a wonderful thing. And then he's immersed in that new responsibility, a responsibility as herald of God's kingdom. And then uh, begins the reconciling work between God and the human race. We heard uh, from Matthew's gospel how the adult Jesus now steps into the gospel story. And he does so asking to be baptized. He's come from Galilee. He's grown up there. And he's learned to trade. And now he comes aligning himself putting himself in sync, if you like, with the movement of repentance and hope that John has launched. The vision and the values that John has been preaching act as a launch pad, if you like, for uh, the ministry of Jesus. And if they are the launch pad, then baptism is the blast-off. It's the blast-off for Jesus. The moment when he takes up that costly role as Savior of the world. And so there are several key points that I'd like us to explore together this morning. Firstly then, in the baptism of Jesus, we see echoes of death and new life. In the Church of England baptism service, uh, you'll probably remember that we acknowledge that we die to sin and we rise to new life. And here in Matthew's gospel is a hint of Jesus' death, which will come, but also what that death will achieve for the world. New life, a fresh perspective, new hope, an unrestricted and renewed relationship with God. And so by descending into the water of the Jordan, Jesus symbolically highlighted his own death, and then when he emerged up out of the water, he hinted, at his resurrection. Our baptism too is new life through death. It's a paradox, but it's one on which the whole Christian faith hinges. The baptism of Jesus assured him that new life would follow death, that even when submerged beneath the murky waters of life's darkest moments, the hope and the power of God's love would win through because that's the way of things and then as soon as Jesus went up out of the water as Matthew puts it the spirit of God descends upon him like a dove and here there are hints at the creation story and the spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters like in that beautiful piece of artwork here the spirit hovers again breathing fresh life into the world through Jesus. And all of this provides the assurance for every one of us that comes through our baptism, the hope of fresh life. Now, I know the hope of God's love winning through in my life because it's kept me going through many a difficult and painful time. For me, it was God's promises 
in his word that I read on a daily basis, together with the encouragement and the support of others that reminded me of the hope of God's love. Even simple conversations did it. But more than this, it was also those experiences of prayer and worship together with uh, my fellow Christians that encouraged me because it was in those times when the Holy Spirit came to me and filled me again and encouraged me and gave me that new life and strength. Maybe you've got stories of how God's love has won through for you as well. But what about at the moment? How do we need to be emerging into new life today? How are you and I longing to experience the hope and the power of God's love winning through for you? Secondly then, baptism assured Jesus of his Father's love. Before he did anything, God loved him. In verse 17, we read of the voice from heaven saying three things and endorsing Jesus in a three specific roles, if you like. Firstly, this is my son. Here there's an echo of Psalm 2, where God greets Israel's anointed king. Secondly, Jesus is the one whom I love, or the beloved one. And this takes us back to Genesis 22, and shows Jesus in the role of Isaac, you know, the, the, the beloved child but who is to be sacrificed. And thirdly, Jesus is the one in whom I'm well pleased. And this recalls Isaiah chapter 42 and identifies Jesus as God's servant who will bring justice to all the nations. Three times in one simple sentence, God tells Jesus that he's the apple of his eye. Pleasing God serving God and fulfilling God's purposes. And yet in God's words to him, we see something else as well. We see the terrible, the awful cost of his life and ministry, one which is symbolically represented in the action of baptism. Jesus will be a suffering savior. He will be a sacrificed son. He will be a servant king. But having said all this, the endorsement from God assured Jesus of his Father's immense and immeasurable love for him. And this is the thing that propels him into that life of sacrifice and service. Could he have done it without that assurance from God? And for us too, through baptism, We've got that same assurance of God the Father's immense and immeasurable love for us. Before we do anything, before we say anything, He loves us for who we are. Isn't that a wonderful thing? We are the apple of His eye. You are the apple of His eye. Can you hear that? Can you receive that? It's a wonderful thing. You are the beloved of God. But of course, just as God's words of love and endorsement propelled Jesus into a life of service and sacrifice, they do the same for us too. 
We too are precious children of God, called by Him to give our all, all that we are and all that we have to a life of service in order to bring justice to all the nations. So how will you and I receive that costly endorsement of God's love today? For Kate, the children, and myself, it feels like that costly endorsement is set in lights at the moment for us because we're facing new jobs, new home, new city, new school, and yet it comes, all of that comes because we are loved and we're called to this life of service by God. Now, of course, this won't happen in the same way for you, but this costly endorsement of God's love isn't just for the Lomax family. It's for every single one of us. So I wonder, how will it take shape for you? How is it taking shape for you? So that was the second point. Then the third thing to note is that Jesus didn't make a dramatic entrance. He didn't come with instructions or orders. He came in humility. And he comes making a request that John baptize him. But John raises an objection. We heard it in the reading. I need to be baptized by you. But do you come to me? Jesus tells John that it is the right thing to do to fulfill all righteousness, he says in verse 15. Now, from the perspective of Jesus, to do the right thing here in this situation is to identify with the people he comes to serve and to immerse himself in their needs and their hopes. And so, in his baptism, Jesus embarks on a long and a difficult path towards righteousness. And what's righteousness? Well, it's doing the right thing to make things right for the sake of all people. And that's what Jesus does. He does the right thing to make things right for the sake of all people. And the key to this journey is, of course, humility. Jesus is the humble servant, the one who gives himself to others from the outset. Through baptism, we too are called to be humble servants of Jesus Christ, giving ourselves to others, looking to the needs of others above our own. And what we see between John and Jesus is, uh, is a mutuality of service. And all, it almost blows John's mind for a second or two, but Matthew tells us that he, he consented to this way of working. Before Jesus served John, John served Jesus. It's as if Jesus is demonstrating what serving one another, what giving ourselves to one another, what humbling ourselves before each other looks like. And he asks John to join him in this way of living. Now, somehow, so much of our church life over the centuries has lost sight of this pattern of, of mutual service. We, we serve in pockets and we serve so well at, at certain times and it's such a blessing to so many people. But maybe there's a, the need to be reminded of this because so often we can come to church expecting other people to serve us without necessarily uh, being able to serve uh, each other. I think the example of Jesus 
and John sets a much better example, all serving one another, all helping to fulfill God's loving purposes in the world. And in some ways too, over time, Christian service uh, became confined to some degree, only to some degree, within the walls of the church building or confined to the boundaries of a church fellowship. But the example of Jesus opens the lid on Christian service. And it says there is no uh, limit. There are no restrictions. Service cannot be confined. God's love is for everyone and anyone. And it insists on being shared everywhere. Some years ago when I went to Uganda, I met a, a wonderful young man called Sam Samuel. And he was remarkable. Uh, he uh, was really struggling. And yet, the, the joy of, of that guy was, was incredible. His love for God and his love for other people was, was really striking. And uh, he was really up against it. He'd injured his back and he was in a lot of pain as uh, a 19, 20-year-old. And he couldn't afford any uh, medical treatment. He had no money and uh, he had no job, and, uh, and he couldn't even afford an x-ray to see exactly what was wrong with his back. The x-ray would have cost £2.50 in our money back then. And, uh, and yet, I think we would have excused him if he would have felt the need to expect other people to serve him, other people to meet his needs, because he might have felt that his needs were great, and, and we could agree with that. But that's not at all what he did. He looked to serve other people. He was incredibly humble, and that was one of the most memorable things about this wonderful young man. I shared a room with him in my time uh, in Uganda at the orphanage, and uh, I'll never forget the, the simple and yet uh, really lovely things that he did. Uh, at night, he'd check the room for cockroaches, which I was really grateful um, for. And he, I borrowed his, he, he loaned to me his baseball bat so that, I could take, so that I could take it to the toilet with me, which was basically a hole in the ground, just in case a rat popped up out of the hole. Which, and that hole was also the shower, you know, because the, 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 the tap was basically over your head as well. So I was really grateful for that. And every single day, he would fetch me a pineapple and he'd chop it up just to give to me this beautiful, fresh pineapple. And of course, I served him too as best as I could. I left him uh, a lot of my clothes uh, so that uh, that helped him out. And I, I, I paid for his um, medical treatment just to get him uh, back so that he could work again. Uh, and um, the, the best thing he, he wanted was so that we could keep in touch. And, and that's what we did till we, we lost touch because he had to move because of a certain conflict uh, in his village. But it was incredibly Christ-like, his example. He was humble, and instead of looking to have his own needs met, he met the needs of other people. How will you and I join in with Jesus' pattern of living and serving and being humble today and in the days ahead? Serving within our church fellowship, yes, of course, that's so important, but also beyond in every bit of life.
And so to finish, assured of the love of God the Father, Jesus is beckoned into a life of service and humility. Through baptism, he emerges into new life, the new life of God's loving purposes in and for the world. And so for us, I hope that this will encourage us to do something, which starts with prayer, I would suggest. And then from there, see where God takes you. To pray that the reality of your own baptism will assure you of God's immense and immeasurable love for you. To pray that we will continue emerging into new life, experiencing the hope and the power of God's love winning through in our lives. To pray that the endorsement of God's overwhelming love will propel us into lives of sacrifice and service in his name. And finally, that we will follow Christ on the path of humility, looking to serve other people, looking to meet their needs above our own. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, may our baptism in your name assure us of God's unfailing love for us, his immense and immeasurable love. And may it beckon us without fear to follow your path of humble service. We ask this in your name. Amen.